It's interesting to me going from having been a music director to being a pastor, um, because there are a lot that have done that. I'm a, I'm a music director casualty in some ways. Uh, Brother Jason Jett that I trained for 18 years, he became a music director casualty. And you know, that that's an interesting transition to me. It was for me because never did it feel like a step up. And the reason for that is because I switched parts of the service. I went from the part of the service, leading the part of the service, that I was confident most affected God, to leading a part of the service that most affected man. And that doesn't sound like a step up to me. I I understand we're in a movement that preaching is is strong and it's big and, and, and it is vital and it's necessary and it is what is waning in a lot of other movements. I I understand that. But if you really buy into the biblical mandate that there's two audiences, the first one is, the first audience is God. Your primary involvement is the part of the service where God's the audience, and you literally get to affect God. And when you affect God through the worship, God has a way of affecting man. That's the reason that you can sense that sometimes, that it just seems like the music service is right on target, and God has been so lifted up that it fills the room, and men are affected. And, and so I, I traded the part of the service where, where I got to help people and, and myself got to direct everything to God to a part of the service where now I am talking to men. And... And so if I could say it this way, you'll have to pardon me if I didn't think it was a job promotion to go from being a music director to a pastor, to a preacher. Because this is a part of the service that I think God would have, God would say, you know, if you'd let me pick, I'd probably pick the one where I could affect him the most. and, And obviously in the preaching, God is affected because man is affected. But but the the order is reversed. And there's just something really neat um, that you get to be involved in every service, particularly on, on Sundays because of, of the choir. And you probably already know, if you go to other churches, choirs are a dying breed. And, um, you know, I saw a tweet somebody sent out several months ago about, you know, it doesn't matter whether you call it a choir or a praise team, you know, and I'm not going to get into all of that stuff because all it is is a difference in numbers, and, and it really isn't. There are so many differences that, that makes a choir so effective. You know, a praise team, you know, you, you have to have a you know, particular level of ability and, and, and you get a mic and all of those things. And a choir enables so many people within the congregation that may never be soloists to come together and to use their ability together in a way that God just does some amazing things. I, and, and so there are choirs, we want to do everything we can to preserve the choir because it, it is vitally, vitally important. Now, uh, before I get started, I need to see, I was going to see how many people had Bibles. I know this is a choir clinic, so I'm not even going to beat you over the head for not having a Bible, but it was whether I was going to have you turn there or not. So I'll just read this. If, if you have your Bible, you can turn to Exodus 32. But uh, So I, I'm going to give you in the first session, i got to stay right here. i got to stay right here. I'm going <laughs> I'm, I'm to work hard on it. We're there. <laughs> Um, if, if I walk away, then I'll start screaming, and that you know, because preachers can do that, music directors can't. So, 
if, if music directors scream, then they're like two octaves higher than they should be, you know, in, in that case. So, um, so I want to give you a biblical challenge in the first session and then a practical challenge in, in the second session. So how many of you remember hearing the phrase, who is on the Lord's side? All right, now there, there's a great hymn that is about who is on the Lord's side. And it goes like this, whose side are you standing on it? Yeah, no, and no, that's the wrong one. Some of you are so young, that's the hymn you thought it was, you know, and leaning, 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 you know. No, that, that's the wrong one. It's, it's who is on the Lord's side. And, and it is a, it's a great hymn. And it's, I don't know if it's in y'all's hymnal, it's in some, it's not in others. And we hear that a lot, but I want to be sure you remember where that came from. Because it comes from when Moses was on the mount, and he receives the law from God, and then he comes, he hears the, the ruckus down among the people, and they have gone to have, have Aaron make the calf, the golden calf, and if you remember some things that, that Moses says, he talks about what he hears, and in some ways he thinks maybe it's the sound of war, or you know, maybe it's the, the sound of, you know, of, of rejoicing or people having a hard time. It, he, he says um, there's the noise of war in the camp. And then he says, well, it's not the voice of them that shout for mastery or the voice of them that cry for, for being overcome, but the noise of them that sing do I hear. And so obviously the, the practices of, of Egypt seem to have been a little bit settled in the mind of the Jews, of God's people, because they, they made this calf in order to worship God, and their music got off somehow, and they have dancing involved. And that, that's not even the, the point that I want to make here. But Moses comes down off the mountain, and when he, when he gets to the bottom, he sees what has taken place. And it, it's just, it is frustrating to him. You sense almost maybe an anger. And he's trying to figure out what to do about this. And that's when he says in verse, verse 25 of Exodus 32, And when Moses saw that the people were naked, for Aaron had made them naked under their shame among their enemies, then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. But it's the second part of that that I'm, I'm fascinated by. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto him. So it's almost like he draws this line, and he wants to know, who's going to help me deal with this? Because our worship has gotten messed up. And ironically, those from the tribe of Levi are the ones who basically crossed that line to stand with Moses, and they, and they go about trying to clean up the messed up worship that had infected the Israelites at this point in time. But then I want you to be mindful, it's not long after this, that when the tabernacle and, and what all has taken, when it comes to, to being sure, okay, we need people to take care of the tabernacle, and we're going to have a specific ones that protect the tabernacle, and they're going to be around the tabernacle to protect people from coming in, and they're going to be ones that are involved in helping the worship take place. What tribe was that? the tribe of Levi. It's interesting that the ones who get tasked with protecting the worship of the Israelites 
were the ones that answered the call when Moses said, who's on the Lord's side? Because the worship has been messed up in Israel. And there was a group of people among the Jews, among the Israelites, who felt more passion than anybody else in being sure that the worship was protected and that it was done right and that it was managed properly. And the tribe of Levi is the one who had that responsibility. And so through the tabernacle and through the temple, whenever you come to the worship being dealt with and and the sacrifices, but especially the music, you find this link between the ones who are the most passionate about helping Moses in the protection of the worship and keeping it alive and keeping it fresh, keeping it real, and those who were given the responsibility to deal with it. In that famous passage in 2 Chronicles 5, at the dedication of the temple, when the cloud came down, and, and you, you've, you remember uh, some of that. I was looking back in my notes, uh, ironically, about you know what, what have I done in, in choirs before, and I went back to about 15, 16 years ago when I preached a choir clinic for Southwest is in the gym, and some of you would have been in there. And I dealt with that passage in 2 Chronicles 5 when God was affected by the music. The, the praying, the preaching hadn't even begun yet, and the cloud came down, and it was, and it was the music. But it makes it clear in, in 2 Chronicles 5 and verse 12, if you're, if you're keeping notes, and it says, the Levites who were the singers... So we are talking of the Levites and the singers are the ones who were responsible. And so they, they have the charge of the music. And the Levites had that privilege of overseeing the worship. Now, <clears throat> I want to move forward 1,500 years, actually, approximately. And in Luke 10... Then we find Jesus telling a story. This lawyer gets, comes to him, and it says he tips him. And he says, um, he says, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he asks in, in Luke 10, 25. And so Jesus says, well, what's, what's written in the law? How, how readest thou? And he says, well, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and soul and thy strength, and with all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself. And so Jesus says to him, thou hast answered right. This do and thou shalt live. But verse 29, this is the lawyer willing to justify himself said, all right, but Jesus, who is my neighbor? Jesus tells him a story. And he says, there's, there's this man that he was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he gets robbed and he gets beaten up and he's laying there alongside the road. And um, a priest comes that way and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. But then there was a second person. He says, and likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. Now, it's interesting to me that Jesus tells this story about this man that was in need. And with 1,500 years difference, you have people that have the position of promoting the worship and being excited about the things of God and, and what God does in the temple, you move forward 1,500 years, and he's still a Levite. He still has the position, but his passion has waned. 
the whole Levitical passion had waned. And what you notice is they had the, from what we find in Bible history, they had the exact same position that they'd always had, but they did not have the passion. They'd lost something over the years. And they had the privilege, but they'd lost the passion. Now, you are the ones with the privilege now. Sure. At Southwest Baptist Church, yes, there's a music leadership structure, but basically those who handle the worship when it comes to music are in this room. And you've been given that position. You've been given that privilege. Some of you, maybe your only involvement is the choir. Others of you, I, I think if you're involved in other music, Brother Aaron, do you have to be in the choir? All right, so, so if you're involved in the specials and, and you stand in front of the choir sometimes and, and you are conveying a solo or duet or trio, quartet, ensemble, something like that, then you're still part of this group who would primarily be the ones known for being tasked with being involved in the worship of God, particularly through the music. In some ways, in, in, a, in a church age sense, that there's still a group of people tasked with the music. In the Old Testament, it was the Levites. In the church age, then it's those who would be involved in the music. And just as it would be at Bible Baptist, it's the choir, and therefore it's you. Tasked with something that God loves immensely, and you're tasked with that at this particular church. And you're a small percentage of the people who were chosen to minister up front. And you get on the platform every Sunday, and you are taken out from among the people, and you're put on the platform and given the, not only the position but the privilege of helping to lead them in worship. The majority of you here, you probably will never lead anything else on the platform because that, that's not... That's not what your calling is. That's not what your, your gifting is. But regardless of that, you still get to be among those who are pulled out of the congregation and end up being in the front of the congregation in leading. And I, I want to remind you for a few moments just about this privilege. For one thing, you are in that position at a flagship church. You're not just in the choir of any church. You're in the choir of Southwest Baptist Church of Oklahoma City. That's a big deal. It is. I mean, you, you have a flagship church that, that is very representative of, of a movement and that a lot of people look to. That's the choir you're in. The, the Levites were not just involved in the music of any tribe or any nation in Canaan. They were responsible for the worship of Jehovah, the true God. So they were not only pulled out among the Israelites, they were pulled out among all this other plethora of, of other nations, and they got to lead the worship of the true God. And although there are other plenty of other good churches that lead the worship of the true God, when you are looking at churches, you are part of a church that a lot of people look to um, to see how is their worship? And they, maybe when they take a Sunday off, they might come here 
because they're thinking, this is a place in which I'm pretty sure I'm going to get challenged and inspired. And it's not just by the preaching. Certainly it has been the preaching. Um, definitely been the preaching, both under Brother Davison now and, and under Brother Gaddis. But, but you, not only because of, of just being a, a flagship church that God has blessed, but the church that gets to be the, the host church for Heartland Baptist Bible College where you have hundreds of students come every year and, and then they're here for a few years and then they go off and they minister somewhere else. And week after week after week, the people in this room are given the responsibility of ministering to them and challenging them and sending them off with a very high view of what the Levites can do in worship. That's you. You're not just part of any choir. You're not just part of any church. You're part of the choir of Southwest Baptist Church that God has blessed. And then you get to do it at a place that has such a great balance between the preaching and the music. I remember 1983 going to work for Brother Davison in Stillwater as the first music director that he brought on staff. And, and he, he began to believe that the, the music was important enough and that he wanted to emphasize it and he wanted to, to try to strengthen it. And so I was 19 years old, had been a couple years at, at Baptist Bible College as a music major. So we, we spent to get time together to breakfast one morning when I was at, at, at home in Tulsa. And, uh, and so I decided to transfer to Oklahoma State University to be a, a music theory major in the, in the, at Oklahoma State and then become the music director at the age of 19. And so I remember being very intimidated, not just because of Brother Davison, but he was such a strong preacher. And I thought, there's no way he's ever going to let the music get very big because, I mean, he's, he's a preacher. And yet I watched his love for music grow and grow and grow and grow and, and it, it dawned on me over time, you know, he's a strong enough preacher, he's never going to feel threatened by the music because the music's never going to overtake the preaching. He, however big the music gets, he, his preaching's going to be bigger. You know, and and I, I so appreciated the fact that he, he never tried to put a cap on the music and say, okay, well, I, I don't want the music showing me up, you know, or something like that, you know, because that was never going to happen, and, and, and we knew that. And, and so you're, you're at a church in which I, I remember him coming here and, and watching him establish the relationship with Brother Floyd and, and music. You know, it was already important, I, I know, but to watch it begin to just increase and, and watching the balance of preaching and music at Southwest Baptist Church, that's been, a, that's been really fascinating. And, and to know that it has been a strong preaching place and then the music has just come right along with it and, and that there's such a great balance. That's the church that you get to be a part of the, shall we say, the Levitical tribe of Southwest, regardless of where you come from. And sometimes it's necessary for a choir to be challenged here because what happened to the Levites who at one time felt it such a privilege to be involved in the worship of God, if they can lose steam over time, it can happen anywhere. If it can happen at the tabernacle and the temple, as great as the temple was, it can happen at Southwest Baptist Church. And it wasn't the tribe of the Levites that came walking by. It was one Levite. And so I'm talking to you. I'm not just talking to the whole choir. 
I'm talking to you. So now I, I will be pretty straight and passionate at times, so that is the preacher part as opposed to the music director part. If Brother Aaron's saying it, he's going to say it kindly and nicely and persuasively. I, I'm a preacher, so I, you know, I, I stand accountable to God at the judgment for being mean. So, you know, so, so I, I can do that. That's what I'm called to do. You know, so. now my, my passion doesn't come from thinking that I, I'm, I'm not your pastor. I don't have any role like that. My passion comes, honestly, from a passion for music. And I and I haven't I have an interest in the music here being strong and passionate, and because we've sent plenty of students here, my own son came through and, and a music director after spending years here. And and I when our students go from Bible Baptist, I mean every year they say, Pastor, would it be okay if if we just came home on the weekends? And my answer is always the same: No. I know you love Bible Baptist. I love Bible Baptist, but you're going to Southwest Baptist Church. And, and I, I, want you to, I want you to get a, a balance of, of the way that God, it's not even that there would be many differences between our two churches, but the, but the differences, I want them to realize that, that God works in great ways in other places, and I want you to experience that. And so I do have an interest being sure that your music stays passionate. So it wasn't the whole tribe. It was one individual Levite that comes by. And so I, I'm talking to a group, but I'm talking to you individually here because it can. It only happens by individuals. The whole group doesn't just get complacent. It happens when an individual gets complacent, and then another one does, and then another one does, and before long, there can be a... And I don't even know if there is a complacency. That I just know that's the tendency, and so that's what I'm going to deal with a little bit. Because a, a choir can begin to develop um, a, a little bit of, of the losing that steam over time because everyone in here has the privilege of the position of a choir member but it is possible to lose your your the passion over time and you can end up still filling the position and it it, it will become more obvious if brother Gaddis starts to lose the passion it can become more obvious over time because he's the only one there and he's preaching, and, and you would be able to see it. Any preacher, you, you would be able to tell that over time, even though you could hide it for a little while. You can live off the vestige, you know, of some times with God in the past. A, a choir member, there's so many of you, it can, it can be hidden more easily. And you can be no more passionate about what you do, and, and it's not necessarily going to affect the overall sound. But then it's two people. Then it's five people. And then it's 10 people. And sure enough, maybe a, a lot of Heartland students or other guests come in from the community and they come in and they hear the choir and they think, man, that, that's really good. But that's compared to where they came from. That's not compared to what God has equipped you to actually do. And it may be that you start getting enough people that have lost sight of the privilege of being in this particular choir at this particular church for this particular God, that it, it begins to diminish or numb what, what can be done. So how can you tell the difference? How do you know in yourself about whether this is happening, however slight it may be, in your own heart? Well, let's be sure we, we know some things about the Levites because the Levites were passionate about the worship. They're the ones who wanted to protect it. Notice they were not the ones who were pushing the boundaries. They were the ones protecting the boundaries. 
They're the ones when when the, the children of Israel started corrupting themselves with what they had learned in Egypt and had the calf and started the dancing and, and the singing that sounded like war, the Levites were the ones that said, no, not on my watch. Moses, if you want some help cleaning that up, you want some help being sure that that, that is where we stay and that we don't let that stray, then you can count on us. And that's what they did. And, and even the very picture of the tabernacle with, um, with the Levites all around on all four sides of the tabernacle, they were there so that none of the other tribes would come in and, and have access to the tabernacle to mess up the worship. They literally protected the worship. And it ought to be that, that the Levitical tribe of Southwest Baptist Church are the ones who are not pushing the lines they're the protector of the lines. And, and that it would be clear that if Brother Aaron faces any pressure in, in okay, letting the music slide a little bit here and, and, and there, that it wouldn't come from the very ones who are here to help protect it and to keep it from straying. Because I'm telling you, you already know, 95% of the trend out there is to, is to let the, the music go into... I, I, I almost hate the word contemporary because contemporary in and of itself is not a bad word. New, you sing new music all the time, um, but just just the music, you know, that that ends up maybe with a a certain shallowness of com, of um, combination, meaning that the the lyrics could even be fairly strong, and then and then the music comes from comes from a, a culture that primarily is what the people want that feeds flesh, and then the lyrics come from that which feeds the spirit, and you put the two together, and Galatians 5 says that's, that's, a, that's a formula for paralysis, actually. And so your, your pastor and those that he's put in charge, of Brother Aaron and others, they want to be sure that this church does not become one of those casualties because then you become a very small fish in a big pond. And Oklahoma City needs a church like this. And the Levites are the ones who protect that line, not push that line. Right. And, and so sometimes you can sense if, if maybe you've lost some of the passion for what your privilege is of being in this choir at this particular time, this particular church, for this particular God, the true God. Because if you sense that I'm not as necessarily as protective, I kind of want to shift it just a little bit. And sometimes that can be... You know, Brother Aaron, could I, could I use this song? And a lot of times it, it may not be as clear to you what the line is because music is a very difficult line to articulate black and white. In fact, it's impossible. And so there has to be somebody who makes that decision. There always has to be. And so sometimes maybe Brother Aaron might would say, you know, I, I, I just don't think that's it. I, I, remember, I remember singing a particular song our choir sang in Stillwater, and Brother Davison said, you know, you, you don't necessarily... You don't have to sing that one again. <laughs> and, and that was his kind way for which I was thankful for. Of, of By the way, I picked up on that. If, if Lisa fixes something that is like, oh, which doesn't happen very often, I never have to say, oh, that's horrible. I just have to say, yeah, you, you don't have to fix that again if, if you don't want to, you know. <laughs> and uh, she asked me about that one time, and I said, yeah, I learned it from Brother Davison. You know, he's the one. Because that's how he would tell me that that song won't fly here. And um, it didn't happen very many times, but it happened a few times. And, and I remember the first couple times saying, okay, can you explain why? And, and he, he would try and fumble around a little bit, and then he'd say, I really can't. 
I just know that's not it. And I had to grow to respect his leadership enough to realize that's all I need. And and it became my responsibility to try to figure out, okay, so now that maybe it was this part, maybe it was this element. And so I just tried to cut down the number of times where he had to say that. And and so Brother Aaron May, that's his responsibility. And and so your response when that time comes, I don't ever I don't even know if that ever happens here. I I I guess it probably happens everywhere. Maybe it doesn't ever happen, but your response might reveal whether your passion is there to protect the worship or it's waning some. Whether he is going to end up battling one of the Levites for pushing the boundaries. That, that just doesn't sound right, does it? Because they're the ones who originally were tasked with protecting. And then the, not only they're, they're passionate about protecting it, but the Levites were passionate about the guidelines in the tabernacle and, and the temple. I don't know if you ever, I don't know what all your guidelines were. I chose not to read your, you know, the handout that he gives or what, I don't know if you have a, a choir manual or something along those lines. I'm sure there are things that, that Brother Aaron lays out. I can assure you this without even reading it, it's not quite the guidelines of about seven chapters in the middle of Exodus that you sleep through in your Bible reading. That it's going to be like this, and then you're going to do this, then you're going to do this, and then you're going to do it this way, and it's going to be out this, and and, and these people are going to do this, and and I mean it it was meticulous, but it was Jehovah after all. I mean the 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 issue of the Baptist Times we're working on right now is called the detailed church, and you talk details, you know, there there may not have been. You know, the, the church building is not referenced in the New Testament, but when there was a building that God's name was on, it was meticulous. And so the Levites were those that they had, they had to operate by every one of these meticulous uh, details that were necessary for the worship to take place in the temple that God was affected by. And so it's inevitable that in a music program of this size, there are going to be rules. They're going to be guidelines. And the Levites were the ones who submitted to that over and over and over. But there, but there ended up coming a time in which like it, there was no passion to it. And, and their care and concern ju- just waned. And, and so the, you know, the Levites had to follow those. And you know, in, in every choir, you, you have choir members who, who arrange their life to where they hardly ever miss. It, it's just this is this is important to to us, and then you have the choir members who lose the passion, and and they don't necessarily make showing up faithfully for every practice and and every service. It, it has just lost its priority to where it's not it's not quite as important, and maybe even lost sight of the fact that we're leading the people in worship before God. He deserves. Everything that Brother Aaron has lined out that it's going to take, and and that he just inherited from Brother Floyd and and from and Brother Stair, all, all the way back from you know even back before Brother Floyd and all those things lined out, just trying to carry a lot of that forward. That this is what it takes to have a choir, and and the Levites that are passionate about the worship of God believe that I I, I have to make that a priority because it. I don't want to let that. I don't want to let that drop on my priority list. And then the the, the true Levites would be engaged in in what they were were working towards. And I'm just going to touch on some of these. We'll get into details later. But but you you have to believe that the Levites in their passion, you know, when when they're going over. I mean, they had to practice whenever they're going over those practices for the worship that would take place in the temple. 
you know, don't you know that they were striving to be engaged? You have to think that it's not just getting up in front of people. That's the fruit. That's the product. Every product demands a, a process, and the process is practice. And you would think that a passionate Levi is the one that sits in a practice, and their mind is engaged from beginning to end on, boy, this, this is exactly what I need to be paying attention to. I want to be sure that I get this so that I'm not just hearing this in practice. I actually want to do this when the time comes in the actual, and I use the word performance. Not, we, we all are on the same page. It's not a performance. It's just a, it's an easier word to use when it comes to a contrast to practice. And then just being able to sit there and realize we're going to get, we're going to get an hour. You have an hour practice? Is that what you have? Hours practice out of an hour's time. So I, and I, I'm going to wrap up this session here, but I went to, so I transferred to Oklahoma State University, and I had grown up in church choir, and Brother Dave Pafford had been the music director at, uh, at Eastland for the longest time, and I sat through those choir practices, and, and, their, and their, choir, their choir was good, I, I do I remember that, but I remember going as a music major at Oklahoma State and sitting in my first choir practice at a state university. It was a whole nother world. You didn't get up. You didn't talk. You didn't talk to the person beside you. And I, I thought, this is crazy. Because the, the choir director, whenever he would stop to correct us, if anybody started talking, he made it clear, I stopped so that I could say something. And I'm telling you, I learned how to get an hour's practice out of an hour's time. And I left that choir practice feeling so convicted and thinking, man, that's just for what? To sing some nice stuff. But I, we're lifting up God. And I thought if they can be that serious about that, I went back to the, the choir and I was, I was 19 years old and I know I didn't do it the right way, but I made it clear things are changing right up front. <laughs> I think I probably lost about five choir members that day and I, I, I'm, I'm thinking, oh, man, that, that, that's terrible. But it, probably I needed to, you know, at, at that point in time because we filled it up with people that were more passionate about it. But I, I, I did have to say, now, listen, it's, it's true with me. If I stop us, that I'm stopping to say something about what we need to correct. And yet in the typical church choir, I don't know what it's like here, in the typical church choir, wherever they stop singing, some choir members, it's like this automatic switch says, okay, stop singing, start talking. It's like a switch. And then it's time to, and then, and then choir becomes a time for, you know, for some wisecracks about, you know, let's joke about this. Or, and and you, want, you want choir to be fun, but, but their mentality was that our fun is going to be when we are affecting the audience when we actually sing this. But our fun, if we can call it that, is when God is affected when we sing this, and our practice reflects where we, where we really want to put the emphasis. And so sometimes you might be able to tell that the Levites going from Exodus 32 to Luke 10 when maybe practice just isn't as important as it used to be or, or it's like, I, you know, this, this, is a, this is as much fellowship as, as, it, is, as it is practice. And, and even little things like, you know, it, it starts at a certain time. And so this is important enough because I get to be a member of this choir at this church 
for this God at this time with all that responsibility, and I'm going to take it seriously enough that, that I, I will be there when it starts, and I'm going to be engaged the whole time, and I'm not going to be thinking, Brother Aaron's is trying to get picky about this or that, because then when the glory comes down in a service like it did in Second Chronicles 5, then you as a choir member have the privilege of saying, I contributed to this happening. I know this is going to sound straight, and uh, I'll let you sulk after this point and go take 10 minutes and whatever break time. But when there's a great music service at Southwest Baptist Church, especially on a Sunday when the choir has done their part, I, I know that that God is responsible for that. I know we say, well, I couldn't do it without God. And, and really that's not always true because there are song services all over America, they do it without God. All right, so, so really you can in some ways, but let's say God comes down in an unusual way. Uh, could I challenge you to ask from time to time, was that because of me or in spite of me? I mean, did, did I really put everything into this to give God enough that he could bless it? Or did my combination of practice time, punctuality, attendance, being engaged, spirit and attitude, did God bless this because of me? Did I give him something to bless? Or did he bless and does he bless in spite of you? Don't be one of the Levites that has to say on a Sunday, you know, I really haven't made that many practices or I haven't made it a priority and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm kind of late or, or I talk some. You, you don't want to have that weighing on you that all these other Levites are trying to keep this as a priority and here I am just, I've lost sight of it. Don't, don't, don't be the New Testament Levite. Be the Old Testament Levite that gives God something to do amazing things with. And maybe you just need to rekindle the passion for being a part of this choir. And that if that passion's not there, then <clears throat> I, I think Brother Aaron mentioned or maybe just implied, I may miss it completely, but that there's, there's a list of people that would love to be in the choir. And hopefully there's not any that, that, would, you know, that ought to say, you know, I've lost the passion. Let me just step aside. And let me let somebody in with some passion. And, uh, and, and just decide, I'm going to have the passion. I'm going to rekindle it. I'm going to consider it to be a blessing. And I'm going to put every bit as much into this as I expect my pastor to put into his part of the service in the preaching. And I'll give my best. I'm going to expect him to give his best. And then our services are just going to be dynamite, something that, that God can use amazingly.